0: You are a bringer of joy. Let that sink in for a minute. You are a bringer of joy. You might not feel very joyful right now. You might not feel like you have a lot of joy to be sharing with the people around you. Now, the government shutdown that we are currently experiencing doesn't seem to have an end in sight. And while being able to take a A forced break from work for a short period of time might not sound like a bad thing at first. The longer it draws on, the less fun it sounds, especially if that forced break comes without a paycheck. And if you have to go and work anyway while also not getting paid, well, that's pretty far from joyful. But that's not the kind of joy we're talking about. Today, we hear how Jesus is at work to bring joy, his joy, and he does it through ordinary people. Here at the start of the second chapter of John's gospel, we're at a wedding feast. Looks like Mary was probably a friend of the family, maybe even a relative. So she was invited, Jesus was invited, even his disciples got to come along. An event like this one would be huge. It would be a days-long celebration as Family and friends gathered together with the bride and bridegroom to be able to revel and celebrate. People would enjoy food and drink. So accordingly, the host would make sure they had supplied a good amount of wine. Throughout the scriptures, wine, not drunkenness, important distinction here, wine serves as a symbol of blessing, of abundance, of joy. So running out of wine at a wedding feast that would bring shame upon the family. So Mary comes to Jesus with this news of what's happened. The wine's run out. Why does she tell him? I don't think that Jesus was accustomed to changing water into wine at family get-togethers or at the dinner table as he grew up with Mary and Joseph. But Mary trusts that Jesus can do something about it. She also comes to him in part because Jesus and his disciples are partially responsible for depleting the wine. Imagine 13 plus men showing up at even the most carefully planned banquet and see what kind of effect that has on your supplies. So Mary goes to the servants and tells them, Do whatever he tells you. And they do. So Jesus has the servants fill. The stone water jars there, filled up. These water jars would normally be used for those Jewish rites of purification, as the scripture says, ceremonial washing for when the people had come in after being in contact with the unclean world outside, the Gentiles, those outside of God's people. And so the jars there at the ready, especially for a big event like this at the wedding, The family probably had a good amount of money with the number of jars they had, with the number of guests potentially expected, and the servants there. So the servants, they follow Jesus' instruction. Okay, we'll fill them up. Fill them up to the point of overflowing. They might have been wondering a little bit why he told them to do that, but it happened. And then... Jesus tells them to draw out some of the water that they had just put into these jars and take it for the head steward to taste. That's odd, right? But they do it. And you heard what happened. The head steward drank this wine that had once been water, and it was good. Literally translated, it was the better wine. The servants followed Jesus' direction, and he provided in abundance. So to give you an idea of just how much he provided, that volume of water jars like these would probably by our reckoning be about 600 to 900 bottles of wine. What kind of party could you have with 600 to 900 (laughs) bottles of wine? Invite me if you do. So to whom was this great changing of water into wine made known? Was it the people there at the wedding? Was it the guests of honor? It was the servants. The people who were going about the ordinary vocations that they had. It was to the disciples. The people Jesus had called to follow him as he shaped them for service. This evidence of God's extravagant grace was not accompanied by angel choirs singing. There was no voice from heaven speaking to it. The servants did what Jesus told them, and the Lord did an amazing thing, manifesting his glory. John reports, and his disciples believed in him. Might Jesus be doing something similar today? Jesus' transforming of water into wine was a sign that God had come to accomplish his mission. In his gospel account, John doesn't refer to Jesus' divine works as miracles as do the other evangelists. There's a reason for that. It's not that John wants us to think less of Jesus and who he is. John wants us to think more of him. If you're driving down the road, you're going to some destination that's a Fun vacation spot or some other scenic thing where you're going to have a great time. You're almost there and you see a sign that says 10 miles away, destination ahead. Are you going to stop? Are you going to pull over off to the side of the road and take pictures of the sign? How cool is this sign? No, you're going to keep going. You're going to follow where the sign leads. Jesus' powerful act at Cana is a sign that points to who he is as the Messiah, even as it shows the nature of God's extravagant love for his children. Like those servants at the wedding feast, you have been called to follow Jesus. Jesus, who was the guest at Cana, really is the master and lord of all creation. So Mary's instruction to those servants still applies to us. Do whatever he tells you. God gives you vocations. He gives you callings through which you live out your identity as his child and as a bearer of the joy which God brings to the world in Christ. Every person has numerous vocations. Parent, child, spouse, teacher, student, employee. But whatever their vocations, Christians are called to follow Jesus through life. But we don't follow Jesus merely for our own good. It's not something that is primarily a self-interested activity. You follow Christ and you are a sign. Your service as his disciples and living out your vocations points to who Jesus is and to what he has done both for you and for your neighbor. So as you go out among those seemingly ordinary responsibilities that you have going from day to day, God can work through you. So that the world might know his son. Seeing the signs of your life, those whom you serve may come to recognize God's extravagant grace working through you. God delivers joy through you, and you don't even have to be doing anything extraordinary. In our epistle text from 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the nature of spiritual gifts. As with Jesus' sign at Cana, the most important thing about such gifts is not the gift itself, but the one who gives it. The one to whom it points. God has given. He continues to give spiritual gifts for service as his child. He continues to bless his people and equip them. Now those gifts might not be flashy, but gifts like patience, gentleness... They can go a long way in today's world for demonstrating the nature of God's love. And bringing joy to the lives of those around you. Such gifts can proclaim Jesus. They can proclaim the life that he brings. This season of epiphany reminds us that Jesus is the light who shines in the darkness. For the past several years, our congregation has chosen this season for our Being, S-J-L-C, emphasis, serving Jesus, living in community. You can see from the logos from it that we start, whoop, there we go, the logos from it. We start with the the light of Christ shown out in Epiphany and the star that led the wise men. The baptism of Christ in our place that sends us out as his people as he gathers us together around the cross to send us out in service to the world around us. This year, that emphasis is a continuation of our Fall Stewardship Focus, Consecrated Lord to Thee. We're going to look at how God calls us as stewards of work and wisdom. Christian stewardship concerns far much more than simply managing how we manage our finances. We'll be exploring that concept over the next several weeks. We'll be doing this in worship services, but outside of worship services too. A number of opportunities will be available to you as the people of St. John's to gather together for service to our neighbors. One of those things just happened this morning. At the 8 o'clock service, we had a blessing of the prayer shawls. If you haven't seen these, they're on display out in the narthex. But members of our congregation have come together praying for people in need, praying for those whom these prayer shawls will go to as visible signs of God's continuing love for them and presence in times of, hardship or despair it's one way that god uses what god has what he has given his people to care for others so in all these ways that you will serve your neighbor god can deliver joy through you for several years we've incorporated the concepts of joining jesus on his mission to help our people better engage in their calling as everyday missionaries so in line with this weekend's call to do whatever he tells you, here again the five questions that go along with joining Jesus on his mission. How did you see God at work in your life this week? What has God been teaching you in his word? What kind of conversations are you having with people who need to know Jesus? What good can we do around here? And how can we be Helping in prayer. So take some time to reflect on these questions. How might our Lord work through you to care for your neighbor? As this government shutdown continues, you might know friends or neighbors who are being affected, especially in that they're not receiving paychecks. Consider inviting them. Invite their family over to your home to share a meal, have dinner together. Not only do they get the benefit of not having to think about something that's on their to-do list, you get the benefit of good company. Even in the midst of everyday life, God can do extraordinary things through you. So head on out. Go back out into the world, into all those vocations that God has entrusted to your care. And as you do, remember that God delivers his extravagant grace in Christ through his people, through you. You are a bringer of joy. Amen.